Owen Obliterate, this week in retro, where all this and more. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Chrome on a TRS-80. Pac-Man gets blocked. Who wants to stick forever? All this and more coming up on this week's show. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. Hello, gents. There are four of us today. And Chris, I'm going to ask you to introduce our guest today because I know you're a, you're a big fan of, uh, of, <laughs> of the gent that sat there on our screen. So why don't you tell us yeah. who he is? Yeah, so this is Owen, who will you know introduce himself uh, shortly as well. But uh, basically, Owen is one half of Scott and Owen, uh, the 2003-2023, sorry, Lego Masters Grandmasters winners from the hit Channel 9 TV series, Lego Masters. So basically, let's just refer to him as the best Lego builder in the whole of Australia, because, you know, it's official, you know, <laughs> that's that's who awesome. we're talking to here. Yeah, awesome. so Owen, Owen... Yeah. yeah, and you're into gaming as well and stuff as well, aren't you, Owen? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Other nostalgia-related hobbies. Absolutely, yeah. I think I'm a man of many hobbies. Man of many hobbies. Just explain, Owen, you're a grandmaster. So does that, does that mean you won something and then you, you beat all the other winners? Is that how it works? So we didn't win the first time. We were on the show in Season 3. Right. Um, we finished runners-up, uh, and then they invited us back for the big showdown with all the teams that were sort of top two, top three from the previous seasons. And we came away with it this time. Nice. So is this what like, did you have like, to go on, Dave? Robot Wars with Lego. Now it's more like <laughs> Master Chef. <laughs> right, yeah. Master, Master, Master Chef. Chef. Yeah, yeah, so they'll give yeah, you, yeah. you've got to make a flambe today. Uh, and then, yeah, you've got this mm-hmm. whole room of ingredients and away you go. Smash something out, yeah. Right. So the ingredients are just like tubs of Lego bricks and then you've got to come up with the best thing you can. Giant fun. tubs of Lego bricks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it needs but to be edible. Into, uh, not edible. Uh, many have tried. <laughs> Some have failed miserably. <laughs> Dave's getting confused. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take a lot. Well, um, I'm a Lego our, muncher. Yeah. If I sound confused today, it's because uh, um, my week consisted of preparing for and going on a stag do at the weekend. And, and when you're over the age of 40, going on a stag do is just all about survival, just making it to the end of it in one piece. And um pleased to say I, I did make it. It was more, you got to pace your drinking, pace my drinking, but it's the lack of sleep that gets you. It's not nothing else. It's the lack of sleep at my age. So I caught up on that last night and I have survived. So yeah, here I am. Uh, Dave, how's your week been? I've been having a quiet week. Uh, I've done nothing this week at all. That's why I said, don't ask me. Oh, um, yeah, I see that on the show notes. I just saw don't that. ask me about my week. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Dave. Thanks for sharing that. But surely you've got some housekeeping for us this week. Not much this week for housekeeping, but we did get a lot of responses on the dolphin and piracy thing. We we talked last week about um, the dolphin emulator for um, the, the Nintendo Wii. Does it do GameCube as well? It does Nintendo GameCube Wii as well, yeah. yeah. And uh, lots of responses to that. People um, replying with some interesting viewpoints. And I don't think I saw anything that I necessarily disagreed with. 
Um, it's just that there are, it's a complicated issue with lots of things to take into consideration. What was your thoughts on it, Neil? Um, well, it's a project like so many others that we talk about on the show that has a lot of passionate followers and um, their first instinct is is often going to be to defend the thing. And that's absolutely fine. Um, when it comes to piracy, uh, it's a, it's a tightrope that we have to walk between um, piracy and preservation. It's so important that the experiences are preserved and that you can access these games in one way or another. And if that means having to pirate things, then sometimes that means having to pirate things. And um, it's just the way it is, I'm afraid. Um, and uh, th there's one other point I wanted to touch on with Dolphin, which I, 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 I don't know why I didn't think of it last week, which is when we were talking about the uses for Dolphin outside of straight up piracy, one of them was um, that somebody mentioned in comments was development. Of course, it's a great development tool if you want to make a, a new game for these old platforms. It's so much easier than using the hardware or trying to track down the original development tools. Um, emulators and then all the tools that are built into emulators to see what's going on inside the system using a modern machine, so useful. So there's, there's another big tick in the box for Dolphin as well. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, yes, Chris. Yeah, I just want to add, I don't think any of us stated that we were against Dolphin or against the use of it, however you want to use it. It was just we were debating Nintendo's right to protect their own IP, and that's as far yeah. as it goes. So, yeah. yeah, we'll just so leave it there. If that's the case, Chris, why were you giving a big thumbs up to a picture of a dolphin being stabbed in the head on the thumbnail? Yeah, you because like you, loved you it. created the thumbnail, <laughs> <laughs> And Duncan did offer to change it, and I went, nah, leave it. It's funny. <laughs> Yeah, we, no. Well, we told Duncan not to uh, because we know that you hate dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> What's that flipper? That Your entire family's been murdered by Chris the fake Australian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into this week's stories. Chrome on a TRS-80. Yes, you heard me right, but not that Chrome. This story was submitted by G7VFY, a regular contributor to the show, so thank you so much. And it's all about the 1977 Tandy Micro with serial number 100,000, which has a highly polished Chrome finish to celebrate the milestone. Now, Twitter user at MrGoodBits reported on his website, vintagecomputer.ca, that he picked it up on eBay for just $249. And as that's a CA domain, I'm assuming that's Canadian dollars. And um, with a bit of research, he found that it used to belong to Ronnie Franklin, who was a manager at a Tandy Computer Repair Center. And he bought it originally for $5 from a Radio Shack outlet store when they were having a clear out. Used to take pride of place, he said, in a glass cabinet in the executive's offices at Tandy Tower. So quite how it made its way down to effectively a, a yard sale um, at the bottom of the company for $5. We don't know, but that's where he found it. And he said he was quite um, gobsmacked himself when he did. It's a lovely collector's piece to have, especially with the Providence confirmed. And it got me thinking about other special editions or milestone one-offs that are out there. And some of them that I found or I've seen for myself would include the gold Amiga 500. Now, I've seen this at the Leicester Computer Museum, which I'm quite surprised is not behind glass. It's just on a shelf where anyone can reach up and touch the gold Amiga, although it's not actually real gold. Uh, this was the one millionth Amiga sold. Serial number 1 million. It looks very much like Commodore took it out the back with a can of spray paint and just gave it a spray there and then. It doesn't have the lovely smooth finish that the TRS-80's Chrome does, which is quite fitting. It's very Commodore, I think. Um, there's also a couple of gold Commodore 64s for the millionth sale. One is in the US and one is in Germany, which is nicely mounted on a frame. Um, it's got a plaque there, much classier than the Amiga presentation. 
And um, another one I thought of was the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. So that also got a special edition. So Clive Sinclair was presented with a special white-coloured ZX Spectrum back in the day. And I think it works really well. Um, you know, a nice contrast to the black ones that we're so used to. White does work. And you can buy, in the modern day, replica white cases to make your own if you're cosplaying Sir Clive at home, perhaps. So let's talk about special editions. <laughs> well, do you not cosplay Sir Clive, Dave? <laughs> o- only three of us here could get away with that, really. Um, we've got a year for it. <laughs> I can't grow a beard, though. Is it the, is it the accent? So... Uh, <laughs> that's why yeah um so uh yeah let's talk about special editions and uh, as owen's with us i'm happy to open this up to lego to toys to games actually one question for you um owen before we go into this lego or legos it's lego lego it's It's lego i think it's a verb it's lego yeah yeah it's an it's an adjective not a noun apostrophe o-e-s yeah, yeah, okay. I think it's an American thing to call it Legos, isn't it? That often comes because up. Because it's, it's Legos. Legos okay. is definitely. Yeah. Legos are actually an adjective. If Owen says yeah. it's Lego, it's Lego. That's why I call it no Lego about it ever again. Ram Master. <clears throat> there, you there you go. go. So, <laughs> and for Chris, Chris, I'm happy to open this up for cars as well, because I know you're a sure. car man too. So let's talk about some of our favorite milestone or special edition version of things that we've come across. Uh, Dave, let's go with you first. It's Legos, L E G O apostrophe O E S, and I only do that because I know it's wrong, just to get people angry. Um, of course yeah. it's Lego, of course it's Lego, but yeah, Legos, Legos. Um, Dave, I mean, you can say what you want, Dave, but you're not the authority here when it comes to Lego. Not with, no, I'm, not I'm with the, the authority on, here. I am the authority on getting things wrong on purpose. That's my that's, that's my grand mastery. Winding Half people of the up. Have just tuned out anyway. <laughs> um, I have to mention the uh, the golden joystick uh, from uh, Games Master. Now, many of you will know that there was a TV show in the '90s in the UK called Games Master, and many of you won't know about it. So, Games Master was a, a weekly TV show uh, aimed at um, game-playing kind of kids in their teens, and there was competitions on it. And if you won a competition, you were awarded a golden joystick, which was uh, just a, a quick joy coated in gold. I'm, I'm told it's coated in gold. I don't imagine they dipped it in gold. I imagine they sprayed it in gold paint. Um I'm not sure. Uh, and maybe in the comments, someone will tell me the truth there. Now, um, I was actually surprised to learn that it's kind of continued on. There's a, there's a Golden Joystick Awards for modern games that I think m- more people probably will have heard of. Um, and I didn't think they were related until I realized that both were owned by Future Publishing. So they are related. I guess that's oh, what it's Because there was Games in, Master so- Magazine, wasn't there? Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. that's that's who who owns the golden joystick, so that's why they're both there. Um, the Amiga five hundred, I thought, looked naff, um, and again, that's very fitting for cheap as chips Commodore. That'll do. Just get it out the door. Um, but I have seen um, an Amiga twelve hundred that's painted gold uh, that looks actually really good. I won't say where I've seen it. Uh, but it looks really good. Um, and the white spectrum <laughs> looks I can surprisingly guess from Chris's yeah. giggles. <laughs> Chris, it does look good. It does. 1200. 
I'll it come does. to that later. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the white spectrums, though, really do look good because I think it's because it, it's almost like a color reversal on the spectrum. Um, yeah. They really, really do, dude. So I, I like those. An inverted spectrum. Yeah. Owen, how about yourself? Have you got any in mind? Yeah, so the Lego one that comes to mind is Mr. Gold. So you're probably familiar with the Lego Mini Mr. Big Gold. Series. Yeah, those ones that you find yep. on Coles. You guys have Tesco or something over there. And you get those $5 sort of blind pick minifigs. So with Series 10, I think they printed 5,000 worldwide of this gold minifig. Um, so that meant that there's now this yeah. huge demand and they're about $5,000 a pop for one Lego figurine. Wow. That is gold, yeah. Wow, have do you, you got one? I do not have one, and if I did, I'd sell it because oh. <laughs> one figure I can swap that from an army of stormtroopers. Oh yeah, now yeah. we're talking. That makes sense. Um, last time I went to a, a Lego store in London, they've got the minifig stall where you can create your custom minifig, so you can get one made that looks like you or close to you. So I've got one of those now, sat in my sits in my car and drives everywhere with me as well as one of lily um but did you get a yeah discount? I, I don't did you get a discount, get a discount. You no, should i've got a discount yeah because one less piece. Oh! 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 too soon are we that close yet yeah. <laughs> kick this guy off Hang on. <laughs> australian they all look out <laughs> dave you, you, your crown has been taken dave as the troll of the show <laughs> I'll, I'll have to try even harder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris. So uh, you 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 alluded to a, a gold Amiga earlier. Go on, tell us about it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'll jump into that. Shall I? I did. I did spray paint my A twelve hundred case gold. It was one of the new ones, not an original one, and I spray painted oh, okay. that gold. But I, you know, usually I'd hold up a prop, right? I don't have it anymore because I gave it away at the last. Perth Amiga user group meet. Oh. I just put it on the buy sell table with a thing that said "Come and talk to Chris," and I just gave it to. I just wanted to make sure somebody wasn't going to resell it; they were going to actually use it, and just gave it away. Um, it, I nice. just did it as an experiment, you know, spray it. But spray uh, nothing against people spray painting their Amiga cases. They're your cases; do whatever you want with them. But for me, they always feel spray painted. <laughs> if that makes sense, mm. um, no matter what you do with them, they always feel painted rather than you know, um, molded in that color. So yeah. For a display piece, it's fine. Yeah. And outside yeah. of computers, any special editions? We mentioned cars. I really didn't think, because I don't really research, you know, unobtainium. I'm not really up on whether it's computers, cars, or whatever. I'm not really up on what's rare, what's collectible, what's, you know, super unique. Um, to the point, you know, case in point, I was at the Porsche dealership and they had a display of owner cars. It, they, it wasn't there for sale um, as part of one of the promotions they were doing. And they had a Porsche Carrera GT. Now, allegedly there's only 1,270 of these made worldwide. I didn't even take a photo because I didn't realise how rare it was. <laughs> Apparently I was privileged to be in its presence. Had no clue. Um, one that I was aware of um, on, a, on, an, on a meet with a heap of Italian cars, I was there in my humble $3,000 GTV and there was a LaFerrari. There's only 499 of those in the world apparently um, and I was – probably next to the only one in, in Western Australia for sure, if not Australia. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. But just to jump into Owen's territory, okay, so I, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Owen, but one of the most collectible sets is the Lego Castle from 1978 with the drawbridge and the fold-out walls either side. 
Um, from what I've read, some estimates put it in the value of about ten thousand US dollars. I assume that's unopened boxed, which at the end of the day is a waste of a toy. Um, but I assume that's the only ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Typically, as soon as the seals cracked, your value plummets, as with all action figures, because at the end of the day, yeah. you buy the pieces individually. The things that sort of yeah. command value, though, are the, the minifigures within the set. If there's custom prints and okay. stuff like that, it seems to be that that uh, drives. Because they're one-off. Yeah, they're one-offs, yeah. and they're the sort of things that are, yeah, to, to the set. And there'll be people that want to collect every night minifig. Um, but oh, I of think, course, yeah. Yeah, with stuff like that, it's nostalgia that drives sets like that, because that's the set you remember as a kid, right? It's having the big castle. Um, so obviously everyone, when they turn exactly. 30, wants that set again. Um, and yeah, it, it just skyrockets. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't have it, it was the fact that you always wanted it and you never got it. So now you can fulfill yeah. that dream. Now you've got a bit of disposable income and you're going to chuck some money at it. Yeah. That's it. That's Why it. we're all stuck in this rabbit hole of all. <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever but you I do. know for a fact we had that set. We had that Lego Castle set growing up. That's one of the first sets I remember playing with. Um, and I remember the knights and I remember the jousting sticks and the shields and everything. We had that set. I remember the drawbridge with the – because it's one of the few Lego sets that actually has strings, so you can actually wind up the drawbridge. And it was in our communal box of Lego. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing the instructions for it. Um, it was just by that point, it was just in the communal box of Lego. The same box of Lego we gave away to the Cub Scout jumble sale in about 1991, oh, oh. <laughs> along with – all my Matchbox oh, cars yeah, and about that's... 200 Transformers comics. So <laughs> it's yeah. gone. Someone out there's got it. But, yeah, they probably don't even know they've got it because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's out there. Oh, It was uh, Lego City for me. Had the police station, the fire station, all the figs and, like, Ooh. just piecing the city together. I used to like those sets. But, um, oh, and we talked about there about the value of opening boxes or, or not. Where do you stand on that? Do you have a collection crack of em. sealed boxes or no. crack them open, yeah? Crack them. Yeah, enjoy them. It's a toy. You buy it to play with it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's Absolutely. guys with garages full of boxes. I mean, I'd rather invest in gold or something. Mind you, apparently Lego is better than gold for investment. So <laughs> if you want to play that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. gold Lego. Yeah, no, I saw an article somewhere. Okay. I think that, that if you look at Lego prices in the last 10 years, if you're buying sets and selling them two years later out of production, you, you'd make more money than investing in gold. So as an investment, buy Lego. Wow, that's not totally what the adverts repeatedly that. tell me on the radio. <laughs> yeah, constantly, constantly told on the radio at the moment that I should be investing in gold. So Lego is hey. where I should be investing. Pink that's diamonds, Argyle yeah. pink diamonds. Right, we're segueing into other territory yeah. now. Well, when it comes yeah. to tearing things open um uh just this week i got a still sealed boxed copy of titus the fox for the amiga and when it arrived the first thing i did was rip the seal off and i'm glad i did because when i got in there it had a poster it had uh, a little manual and both of them had mold forming on them so i was able to just kind of wipe that off if it left that it would have just kept you know the spores yeah. would have kept multiplying and it would have got worse so it's worth doing it just for that as well um, doesn't necessarily mean it's good if it's sealed Dave? And to get and to get some little packets of silica gel in there because if yeah. the mold mm. is formed, it's because of moisture. So you need to get rid of that, otherwise it will reform. Yeah, those things. Yeah, yeah. you can eat those if you want, Chris. Oh, okay. lovely, nice and crunchy. What's, what's this moisture thing? Is that something that happens in England? Not heard of. It. <laughs> <laughs> happens in Scotland too. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> mainly in England, though, because they deserve it more. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> Thanks, Dave. Um, so getting back on track, uh, I did also see a clip that maybe Duncan will pop up of Steve um, Wozniak from back in the day. He had the 100th Apple II. He was showing that, which had a nice red case. And I, I'm always a fan of red computers. Um, you know, you normally see them in uh, Japanese computers. Have a nice, Sony computers have a nice red finish, don't you? So an Apple II in red was good. And then for the millionth Apple II, because it was such a successful computer, they did do a gold one. And it looked like a nice shiny gold finish. It looked like they spent more than 30 seconds making that one gold compared to Commodore. So um, there are lots of examples out there. And we will come back to, to, to that um, a little bit later as our question of the week when we put the question to you. And um, yeah. If you want to participate, if you want to answer that question, or if you want to submit any new stories like this, head over to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro, where you can take part in the show. This week, we are sponsored again by Pixel Addict Magazine. Pixel Addict Magazine is a magazine that comes out, let's say weekly now, it comes out weekly if it's the sixth <laughs> week. <laughs> daily. Daily. Daily newspaper in the form of a six-weekly magazine. Uh, Pixel Addict <laughs> is um, is available in your local shop, every shop, hardware shop, grocery shop. <laughs> no, it's in your, it might be in your news agent. Yeah, pet shop, yeah. <laughs> if the shop says they don't have them, shout at them because they've got them under the counter. You need to ask them really em emphatically for it. <laughs> and then say, um, do you know who I am? Yes. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Um, this week I've been reading Tim's article on the BBC Micro. He's written quite a deep article that talks about the origins of the famous BBC Micro and then goes on to explain how to use it again in 2023 part one was in last month i say month it's six weekly last month's issue and part two is in the current month so i'm looking forward to part three in next month um you can go to pixel.addict.media and you can subscribe to it you can buy individual issues you can get it as a pdf or as i alluded to in some news agents you may be able to find it uh, chris can find it in his uh, he gets excited when he goes in there and the news agent complains that he's in here every day looking for it <laughs> it's so true <laughs> okay. Owen, are you, are you a big fan of pixel addict magazine uh there are some arcade game names that when uttered will strike a chord with almost any gamer regardless of age even if they didn't experience them when you they've probably heard of them known that know about their historical significance and many would have tried them at least once names like pong space invaders and defender are all names that feel like a solid base on which the bricks of gaming as we know it were built. Bricks. <laughs> bricks. <laughs> and another name would be Pac-Man. I'm sure even as I utter the title, you can hear the whacka-whacka sound in your head following soon after. What, what's the sound like? Whacka-whacka. Whacka-whacka-whacka-whacka. That's all Chris hears in his head. Just like playing the game. All I hear in my eyes is sit at my desk all day at work going. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's certainly one of my all time favourites and it's instantly accessible for, you know, from the casual gamer through to, well, through to Billy Mitchell maxing out in the pub again. Oh, Chris. Um, Why did you have to say his name? Hello, sorry. everyone in the comments section. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, we've got it on one of those Namco TV arcade sticks, and I've played it over and over. And as a family, we've all played it. You know, when the twins were younger. In fact, they used to play it in the back of our Chrysler 300C because it had screens in the headrests. I didn't put them in; the previous owner put it in. Um, and so we played Pac-Man in the back of that, which was hilarious. Um, and I also enjoyed the clones like Munchkin on the Philips G7000 and Snapper on the Acorn Electron. Uh, and it's a game that's been cloned more times than Dolly the Sheep, which. Neil, do you want to point out that? Yeah, I did see you make <laughs> reference to this earlier when you were putting your notes together, and I thought, hang on, Dolly the sheep was only cloned once. So that, what are you talking about? I knew that when I wrote it, but I thought, you know, sometimes you just say these things to sound cool, and you move on with the actual story, and nobody's going to care, especially not one of your co-hosts. Sorry, I'm being <laughs> yeah, pedantic. No. It's all I, good. It's I, a- I cared as well. I thought it was terrible. Dave I thought you were letting the side down. Year old. Makes it look like unprofessional. Stacks on up well. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there'll be comments. I mean, yeah. there, there, <laughs> there would actually be heaps of comments about how many times a sheep has been cloned. Just to correct you. You know, making anyway, it sound obscene. Like, shall we just, I'm just going to go over it again just so we can see how it would have played out if we hadn't picked me apart, all right? We'll, we'll, we'll keep both in, all right? But no, no, it's, it's fine. A, it's you just carry game. on, Chris. You just it's carry a game on. It's that's been cloned more times than Dolly the Sheep, and now it's been cloned again in Lego. Oh, see? How good would that line have been? It's it fantastic. took 277 attempts to clone Dolly the Sheep. Did you know that? There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. Off the top of your head, right? Keep yeah, coming out of my head. Pig Look, or a cow. Chris, Owen, Owen is clutching something, and I'm he desperate is, to see clutching. what it is. So, let's, so let's please get, get into to the, the point. Let's get into <laughs> the story. I, w- I would have done if it wasn't for... Anyway, um, we've seen surprises from LEGO before uh, in the terms of nostalgia gaming builds with the Nintendo Entertainment System which I believe is what Owen's about to hold up. There it is. For the listeners. Ah, in the box. <laughs> in the box. Yep. This, is, um, this is... So, go on. The one that I haven't opened. This is the last of the stuff that Lego sent us when we're on the show, and I've been saving it till last because it's the best one of the bunch. Oh. The trouble is, oh, it's only got one controller. Did you get lots of freebies for being on the we, show? We've got a few freebies, but only one controller, oh. so I want a second set nice. just so that I can have two. But that might be a bit expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so Nintendo, N- Nintendo, if you're listening, we're completely mm. with you in your stance on Dolphin. Absolutely. Please send Owen <laughs> another, another, another Lego Lego controller. It needs to be a Lego <laughs> controller. It needs to be a Lego one. <laughs> so I don't know that we're sucking up to the right company. <laughs> but I mean, the, the NES system, that's great. It's got its TV uh, and it's got its correctly ejecting cartridge mechanism, which is quite distinct in the NES. And it's got a moving Mario on the screen with all the mechanisms behind it. you got the Atari 2600 Woody. Um, with its wood grain, which is not easy to do in Lego. Again, it's got realistic game carts and it's got a di- dioramas hidden inside as well. Um, and you've even got fan projects like uh, Perifractic's Brick 64 uh, with a working Commodore 64 guts inside it. And even the even the keys are Lego, which is quite amazing. And it's a fully working machine and it looks like a bread bin, which is you know, as in a bread bin Commodore 64, which is which is fantastic. Um, and now we have this Pac-Man bar top arcade unit and it's got moving sprites, it's got light up buttons and it's got all sorts of awesome throwbacks to one of the most iconic games of all time. Um, it's quite a build. So it's about 12.5 inches tall by 10 inches wide uh, and it actually hides inside it an arcade scene inside which your your minifigs can play with a smaller version of the Pac-Man arcade, which is pretty cool. It looks really nice, and it looks like it has some complicated design uh, uh, building behind it. So if only we had some kind of Lego expert to help break down these kinds of builds for us, 
Owen? Yeah, look, this the, I think this is kind of a build as an example of how far Legos come from when I was a kid and when we were putting together castles and there was a rope that wound up the drawbridge. Because this thing off a single input, Pac-Man runs around the screen chasing ghosts. Ghosts run around separately in a second area. I think the scoreboard might move and then the ghosts on the top periodically flip direction in a Lego set that looks as good as a display piece. I just... The, the leaps and bounds and the polish that some of these new sets have is amazing. I think it's also true for a lot of the Mario range. They did a really cool question block that folds out and has all the Mario 64... Uh, oh, what was the Mario one? Mario World? Mario 64? You guys are going to hate me now. Um, all the different <laughs> levels on that. Um, and and the, um, the, all the different worlds, rather, and the Bowser Lego set as well. They've just got this sort of unreal polish that you look at it and at a glance you can't tell it's Lego. Um, Chris, I was just thinking as you described it there, you said on, on the NES, it's got an ejecting mechanism and it's got a moving Mario. And I'm thinking, yeah, but it doesn't play NES games. And that's, you know, you're coming at it from the, the, from the complete wrong angle when you start, when I start making comments like that. Because my first reaction is when it comes to this Pac-Man thing, we've got mini arcades and now we've got a mini arcade you can't even play made out of Lego. But then I went and watched the video and I, I saw some of the little details that you talked about. It's got the light up coin slot. It's got, it looks like it's got a crank that you turn to make the ghost and the Pac-Man move around. Dave, you're bouncing up and down. I would say that many, maybe even most of the mini arcades that people buy aren't necessarily for playing on. I think a lot of them are for putting on a shelf. Um, I remember reading something fairly recently about something like most people who buy a vinyl record don't intend to play it on a record player. Um, okay. So I think there's a lot of that going on. Uh, it, what it didn't say, I don't think it said that most vinyl record purchases aren't played. I think it's saying that lots of people have one vinyl record they bought and don't, don't intend to play. But I think these mini arcades, I think we're going to be real, realistic. It's maybe not a problem that you can't play them. Yeah, I think it's interesting because Lego have kind of leaned on this whole idea that people that collect video games will want this Pac-Man piece because they do it with other things. So there's like a Fender guitar that's really nice. So they're not necessarily after the Lego collectors. They're after that interesting difference piece to put in your collection. So you're looking at a wall of Fenders and then there's a Lego. Like it's just sort of, they're all display pieces. You don't play every Fender your own as a Fender collector, I'm sure. Um, it's just, yeah, something something unique and different to be part of that. Yeah, and there's the for for decades have been Lego sets based on car marquees, you know, things like the VW Camper Lego set and things like that. So it's to appeal to all of those different audiences. It's it's a an homage to all of these things. Um, and and in the case of the Lego Pac-Man arcade, it's like a, a diorama of of an arcade, something to put on your shelf. In my most recent episode on the channel, I look at a mini, or Alex shows me a mini Atari Food Fight arcade machine. And again, it's fun to play on, but it's got all these other silly things like magnetic or stick-on pieces of bubble gum that you can put under the control panel and just silly little things like that. And it's just a nice thing to look at and show people and and reminisce and celebrate the original subject matter through um, in a way that you can because you probably can't afford the original thing anyway. So it's the closest thing you can get to it. Um, however... This being the hobby that it is, somebody is going to buy this thing. Somebody is going to put a Raspberry Pi in it. And no doubt we'll see a working Lego arcade machine in no time, I think. I've not touched Lego for years. Um, I, I have managed to avoid jumping back into that enormously expensive hobby. Um, 
apart from a little tie fighter I was given by my mum for Christmas about 10 years ago. Um, and I never really had proper sets. The few I had, uh, I think I had a Lego, Lego castle. I got proper sets, but they, you built them once. You lost the instructions, and then it went in the in, in the big bag of things. And I was really pleased you are to hear triggering Owen. Your... Owen is just like giving you a death stare right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm I, I, I'm on board with Owen. What Owen said he does in in his Master Chef thing with Lego is that they're they're given a task to do something, and they have to create it. Now, I think modern modern Lego for adults is seems to be not so much about creating something from scratch it's about building something and having the, the kind of peaceful experience that you know it's going to come out in the end so you know that you can do this and it, it's like a 3d jigsaw something something relaxing to do with your time but um the lego that i had as a kid it really wasn't that it wasn't the same it was more about creating something so i'm pleased to hear what owen does on his master is it a, is, is it a show is it a show lego called masters lego, Ma lego masters <laughs> it's not very inventive <laughs> and master lego it's like that on um, channel nine mate it's a proper tv show it's actually it's not real it's actually global there's 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 versions of it all over the world yeah the guy that came up with it uh the the head producer uh he the guy that produces it he came up with it um he he's lived his whole life in reality tv his dad was big in tv and he came up with that as a take of reality tv he wanted a subject matter that was sort of like family friendly so they do like they hit all of the tropes for reality tv and they really ham it up but they're very sort of breaky the fourth wall with it the host's really good at that so yeah i mean part of the name is probably just part of that i think one of my favorite episodes i saw they were uh, is this the same show they had to make like a, a lego vehicle and then launch it up a ramp through a flaming hoop yeah was that the, yeah i enjoyed that's that exactly episode. the show that was fun. yeah um but i mean i mean yeah. Do you find a certain amount of mindfulness in your Lego building? Do you enjoy it for that reason? Yeah, I think there's different people get different things from Lego. And I think there is this huge movement now of this mindfulness. I know my wife does like coloring in for adults, stuff like that. It's sort of, that's the outlet for some people. For me, that's not it. I want, um, I'm an engineer. I want to make stuff. I want to create stuff. I want to make it move and, and test principles. Um, but I guess that's the, that's the greatness of Lego, right? It's so diverse. You can hit all these sort of different areas. Um, but yeah, there's definitely something in it. Just to, I think they use it in therapy and all sorts now, as as that sort of mindful tool. Yeah, so long as you don't step on the bricks, it makes for great therapy. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're actually an engineer. That explains some of your gravity-defying builds because they <laughs> they just yeah yeah sticking out from the side of a wall for I don't know how far that that ice castle came out. It was absolutely insane. You guys made an arcade build, actually, didn't you? Um, did, the Scrum yeah. King? Yeah, one of the Scrum one of their challenges. Yeah, mm. so named for that reason. Um, innuendo intended. Uh, we were given... Up there with the Thrustmaster. That's it, yeah. <laughs> there was a whole section that never made it to the episode while we discussed the name. Um, yeah, we were given a, an empty box and we had to build an arcade machine inside the box and we thought, what better way? Uh, so yeah, yeah, trying to jam mechanisms. It's interesting trying to create a two-dimensional video game format in a three-dimensional brick that that mm. reads interesting and not just boring. So mm. we ended up putting a lot of mechanisms and moving parts, and yeah, it was an interesting trip down memory lane as well at the same time. Yeah. That's cool. And you guys, because like with with these going back to these Lego sets like the Pac-Man arcade, but I'm thinking more about the Atari 2600 and the NES, which you've got there. They're obviously made to, at a glance, look like the real thing. Um, you guys did a build 
for a Sophie Monk challenge. We just have to name drop Sophie Monk in there <laughs> before we move on. Um, but we basically had to create a piece and Sophie Monk had to pick what was Lego and what was real. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so the only show that's more serious than Lego Masters is that one that I see floating around on Netflix. Is it Cake? Um, so essentially it was that. We walked into the room that had a 19 sort of Art Nouveau, 1920s, 1930s, that the right era. Um, set up detective shop. We had to pick an object out of the room and try and recreate it in Lego so that a guest, who was Sophie Monk, um, could come in and figure out what was and what wasn't Lego. Um, and it's challenging. It's incredibly challenging. And the polish and the refinement that some of these builds have is unbelievable. But, yeah, it's an interesting an interesting take on, on what to do with Lego. And she didn't pick yours, did she? It was a oscillating fan. That was your build, wasn't it? Yeah, we thought we'd do something really stupid. And instead of trying to build something perfect that you could tell could be made out of Lego, we'd pick something that nobody could ever think would be made out of Lego and hide in plain sight. So we <laughs> made a giant moving oscillating fan and flew under the radar. Owen, if this if this was Lego Masters, this episode, all right, I want, I want to see if but, – but you're not a contestant now. You're Brickman. You're, you're the judge. Um, which of the following builds would win, which one would get the golden brick, and which one would be sent home? Okay, these are very important builds, very well-known builds, I'm sure. So right. build number one is the Lego NES with its TV and its moving Mario and its ejecting carts and everything. Uh, build number two will go with the Lego Pac-Man Arcade, given it's the most recent one that we've been presented with. And build number three, hot off the press, is the Lego Amiga 600 laptop by Ravi Abbott from the Retro Hour? Um, so he's a he's a co-host in a, in another retro show, um, and he recently dropped a video where he's put the guts of an Amiga 600 into some Lego and called it an, a laptop, and he's shown that working. So go for it. You're the judge. So as Brickman on the show does, I'm gonna I'm gonna judge this based on three categories. We're gonna do aesthetics, technical ability, um, and storytelling. Obviously, the uh, the Pac-Man tells a good story. It, it reminds you of simpler times as a child playing the game. Uh, the, uh, the the NES system is very similar. It has those functions. You can see it moving. And now let's move on to technical ability. Uh, the technical ability on the NES, obviously moving parts, everything, the, the, the ejecting case we've spoken about, the Pac-Man functions move, everything moves around. And then let's move on to uh, well, we're up aesthetics. Uh, the NES uh, obviously looks like an NES. Pac-Man looks like Pac-Man. Lots of colours, very vibrant. And sadly, going home today <laughs> for all three categories <laughs> is our white box. <laughs> oh no, Ravi! Oh. 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 A fully oh. working Amiga six hundred. Oh. No, I, 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 oh. I think what to, to just to be clear there, it's not anything to do with Ravi's um, abilities there. It's because it's got an Amiga inside. That's the problem. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, dear, and dear. To think how long Ravi's been working on that project. The, the important thing, Ravi, is that you love it, mate. You don't don't you listen to them? That's um, right. let's, Although let's I do, do have our... a question though about the looking at the lid of the laptop. Um, if you close the lid of the laptop, surely the bricks are going to click into the bottom half of the laptop, and that is going to take a hell of an effort to open it up again. You need yeah, some of those smooth bits. You must have yeah. thought of that. You must have thought of something. Yeah. Just point out yeah. that Ravi has um, an Amiga event happening in less than a month's time, Kickstart, 
I think it's beginning of July. Is that what it is, Neil? July, the weekend of the second and third, yeah, in in Nottingham at the football ground there. Um, the yeah, I'm lucky enough to have a little out. stool there, so I can go and promote the cave. And Alex is coming to promote the arcade archive, so we'll be there, and we'll look forward to meeting anyone who comes along and having a cup of coffee. We're not we're not selling anything; we're just there to chat and hand out leaflets and enjoy uh, and support the very first Kickstarter. It's the very first one that ravi's arranged and um so far it looks like it's been arranged incredibly professionally all of the promotions look brilliant we're all super informed of what's going on so i've no doubt it's going to be a great event i'm looking forward to it yeah i can't yeah. wait because i'm going to be in the uk in july about two weeks after that event so that doesn't help um bad timing but anyway so anyway the, look the go back to the lego kit so there you go ravi you got a consolation prize you got a promo um the, these kits really aren't cheap so the closest i think i'll get is this this nano block lego ripoff pac-man arcade which is about two inches tall it was it was a stocking present it's it's not even lego and yeah i built it and it sits on the shelf um but i do thank dr local for sharing this story with us in the subreddit and not just because it gave us an awesome excuse to get a lego grandmaster on the show in in owen uh, but also because i actually love the way lego are recognizing and catering towards some of the older customers and making tasteful plays into things that we're nostalgic for i think it's fantastic personally um i think i'll keep lego and gaming separate myself much as i love this build i'm actually more tempted by some of their other kits like the 1989 batmobile and batwing i think those look fantastic and they look great with my amiga 500 batman pack on the shelf there um and also uh well done ravi for your a600 build perfect timing mate you've been judged by one of the official australian lego grandmasters but owen have to thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us that was fantastic you no think worries. Ravi's actually still listening at this point, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Ravi is bundling an effigy of you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> On with the next story. <laughs> Fame. I want to live forever. Or maybe as Freddie put it, who wants to live forever? Well, Andrew, who's also known as Amiga for Mortals, thinks you want a joystick that will last forever. Now, back in the 80s and 90s, we had joysticks that were made as cheaply as possible. Particularly in the 80s, I remember my Amstrad JY2, which was, as far as I know, entirely made of plastic. It didn't last long. Um, they're famous, in fact, for being junk. I think Sinclair produced a similar joystick, which is, again, famous for, for being junk. If it wasn't the frame of the joystick itself made of plastic that went, it was the, the switches, which were these, these kind of metal blisters rather than the micro switches they really didn't last long and it was replaced by a few cheetah and quick shot joysticks um and back then they weren't being made with micro switches i think in, in my head they changed to micro switches eventually yeah but initially they weren't um and, and bob dylan would be unhappy with these joysticks because they didn't stay forever young they all went bad now maybe oasis would like my next joystick and it really did nearly live forever the zipstick um would pearl jam have liked the immortality of the of the zipstick um well nearly until a few years ago it was my favorite stick and i still don't think it's a bad stick but due to an accident on ebay i ended up with three zipsticks and all three zipsticks have different micro switches so they're not the same you can't even buy a zipstick and know that you'll get the same experience that you had with your zipstick um as a kid so they all need a, a good bit of restoration which i haven't got round to but once they're restored i'll have a have a look at them and see if i like them or not um 
And in fact, over the various episodes of This Week in Retro, we have covered quite a few new joysticks. For a, In fact, for a while, it was coming on to being a bit of a will-it-run doom with the amount of stories that we covered. Uh, but it's been a while now, and I think that may be down to the rather sad failure of the Unithor Kickstarter. Now, we covered it back in episode 63. Um, it's a retro-style joystick, and it's fairly unusual in that it wasn't the usual ball-top grip that became popular with the Zip Stick and the Competition Pro. They, the the ball-top sticks kind of replaced the, the fighter pilot grip that you used to get in digital joysticks. Um, but seemingly lots of people wanted that. So lots of people backed the, the Unithor uh, Kickstarter. It was funded successfully on the 21st of July, 2022. Neil? I wouldn't say the flight stick style replaced the bull top. I think they were really in parallel, weren't they? You could get the, the bull top sticks were aiming at people that wanted a stick that looked like it would come out of an arcade cabinet. And then the flight sticks were aiming at people that wanted a different look but um i always went for the bull top ones just because they uh, they had a shorter throw and they were less prone to breakage chris horses for courses for me it was the bull top and zipstick was my favorite if you're doing a scrolling shooter you want to be able to have a bashable fire button um so that's the best form factor if i was a flight simulator well one hand is on the keyboard for all the controls and one hand is in the joystick and i want to have a fire button i can do single-handedly so for me horses for courses yeah um dave you mentioned the unithor kickstarter wasn't successful but it did reach its goal on kickstarter so what's the story there so it was successfully funded on the 21st of july 2022 and now looks as metallica would say the thing that should not be um in november 22 they announced that the eta had slipped and that they had to find a new factory to do the moldings and then in January, they announced that Marson, the joystick designer, had left the project. There were hints of blame being given out in the team, but they were quite vague. And they were considering cancelling the project and refunding people minus their expenses. In March, they asked for more time. In April, they said that they have agreed that they cannot work together in seeking a legal solution. And like Black Sabbath might say, after forever... The backers will hopefully get as much money back as possible, but that should have been done six months ago. And I don't know why they're still hanging around to the money other that, well, I have my suspicions why they're still hanging on to the money. Uh, and I fear it's just going to end up like just yet another Kickstarter where the communication slows to a dribble and people eventually just accept that they're not going to get their money back. Um it's always the risk with Kickstarter, and you should always think before you back that, do they have a plan? Have they done this before? Are they idiots with a fantasy? Are they scamming? Are they just chancers? Yeah, uh, but I do think you should still take every Kickstarter campaign on its own merit and on the merits of the people doing it. You know, mm. Don't dismiss one because of the way others have behaved, because there are a lot of examples of this now, and... Um, well, it would just ruin it for everyone else who does have a good idea and who can follow it through if you tell them all with the same brush. Yeah, well, that, that's right. You need to look at each Kickstarter and then assess who is who are these people. Is this their first major project? Is this an iteration of something they've done before, or are they people starting from zero and trying to do something that is possibly well beyond them? Um, now, 
you hear lots about failed Kickstarters, but I've actually never backed a failed Kickstarter. I don't know if that's means that I can smell a rat, if I'm a genius or if I'm just lucky, or if what I suspect, most Kickstarters are actually all right. Um, guys, have you ever funded a failed Kickstarter? Not one that didn't fund. We've all done that. But have mm. you funded one that you didn't get your thing that you paid your money for? Chris? Um, I've not backed any Kickstarter. Uh, well, actually, yeah, the RMC coloring book, <laughs> that was a Kickstarter, right? Yeah, that was a Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. so, But again, I, I don't even equate that as being a Kickstarter because I bought it on the merit of knowing what Neil was doing and the fact that he'd done this before and had done it successfully. Therefore, it was a zero risk and plus, you know, the money was going to charity and what have you. So for me, that's not even in the same ballpark. What we're talking about is a new project, potentially by people that you've never heard of before. And yeah, so I've not backed one, no. Mm. Yeah, um, with the colouring book um, and also the retro tea breaks book I did, they, those were both Kickstarters, but I'd completed them both. About 90% of the books were complete before I even considered putting them on Kickstarter because I wanted to make sure I could deliver it. Um, something that I've backed that... <sighs> <laughs> arguably hasn't been delivered. I backed Star Citizen all those years ago. Was it 2011? Yeah. <laughs> Owen, did you back it as well? Oh, I was a sucker. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. I upgraded well, I mean, the computer ready to necessarily play suckers because, you know, we're, we're, yes. there's alpha builds still coming out. There's new updates. It is progressing. You're not, you haven't got a hope in hell of playing it on your 2011 PC that you had when you backed no. it, but um, <laughs> it does seem to be moving forward. But, you know... It's a long time to wait. Statistically, how many people have died waiting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not wrong. Sad, but true. Uh, it is. It is. You know. Mm. Um, so yeah, how about you, Dave? Uh, there's only one that is kind of on the fence at the moment. Um, every other one I bought has, has has gone ahead, and again. Maybe it's just because of my job. I've got I'm a bit skeptical, and I look through things to make sure that they're going to work. I've not. I backed quite a few Kickstarters. I must have backed maybe about ten. And the only one that's not yet delivered that's a bit late is a mechanical keyboard for my Apple Two C. And they do seem okay, but they're a little bit behind on communications. There's been a delay. However, after I wrote down my show notes and. An email that I haven't looked at this morning is an update from them, just to prove me wrong. Um, so <laughs> there is an update there, but I'm totally confident they're still going to deliver. Uh, I think it, they're, they're, a, they're a company that does these things. It's Mac Effects, I think they're called, and they've got a history of delivering on these. So I, I think you just need to approach Kickstarter with a bit of skepticism and say, who are these? Are they going to deliver? Have they done it before? Now, on to the, the main part of the story. And um, as the... Um, as the trash can Sinatras would say, I'm immortal. And that's what the new Kickstarter says. It, of course, for a retro joystick. And here's the details. It's a Sanwa stick with an option for Sanwa or Simitsu buttons and a ball top. Neil, say genuine Sanwa parts, please. Genuine Sanwa arcade parts. Thank you. The autofire circuit has been custom made for the project. And the main thing for me about it that separates this from other projects is the housing. Now, unlike any other digital joystick I can think of, it's in a metal case. I have uh, metal cases on analog flight sticks for my PC. In fact, the one I held up earlier, this is one I, I recently bought. It is a, a Suncon um, F15 
E Talon, which is a, a PS2 path through, so I can get more buttons in the standard game port uh, joystick can do. It's not uncommon for things like the the original Thrustmaster to be a, a great big metal housing, and that was I think was a bit of marketing because they wanted to, to tell people this is the this is just taking out a flight a fighter jet for you. Um, but for Atari connector things, typically you don't get them in a metal housing. Um, it's a basic, simple, industrial-looking design, although it is customizable with colors on the buttons, etc. And I do like the look of it. It makes me think of arcade cabs. If you think to um, JAMA-style arcade cabs, so the ones you use, the generic ones, Electrocoin in the UK, for example, generic ones that you could put anything into and just change the marquee at the top, I remember those having metal panels for the joystick to go on because it's more durable for kids wrecking them and sticking their cigarettes is the right word to use dave these days sing cigarettes on them uh and uh, drinks and all the rest of it and sticky paws um so it reminds me a bit a bit of that um and i have a monster joystick that i've dropped a couple of times well actually more than a couple of times i've dropped it uh, the cats have knocked it off millions of times and a couple of bits have snapped off cosmetic only it isn't damaged but the immortal joystick has been designed as um celine dion would say with immortality in mind now they're not new uh andrew's actually been making these on a kind of ad hoc basis for a couple of years now as a, as a hobby project um and everybody i've spoken to that tried one is very pleased with them neil you've tried neil have you tried one you have tried one haven't you yeah, last year he popped in and he showed it to me. Um, and uh, yeah, carry on telling us about the the project, Dave, and I'll, I'll talk about my experience with it in a moment. So he uses a Hammond project box, which he originally used to make guitar effect pedals. So they're meant to take a bit of a beating. These are thick metal enclosures. Um, and until now, he's been drilling the enclosures for the holes, for the buttons and sticking switches, etc., in his garden shed. And obviously, that takes a lot of time. So the idea with the Kickstarter is for him to be able to supply more of these joysticks because he can't keep up. And it's quite a common thing in the retro world. You do something as a little side project in your spare time and demand is much more than what you can actually provide. So he's now decided to do a Kickstarter to, to go from a, a to take it up to the next level. And um, he's going to make what I think will be a small number of units. So they're not going to be common at all. And the reason why it's going to be a small number of units is the price. It's £140 or in American dollars, 175 before shipping. Now, I can't fault the price in terms of what you get for your money and what it costs to make. Uh, I don't think he's making a massive profit on what's involved there. It's expensive internals, not just the Sanwar parts, but the autofire circuit has to be made for him and the hand assembled uh, for Andrew in Norwich, uh, which is, I think, everything he's, he's doing, he's trying to get local. Um, so they're not made a factory in the, in the Far East. He's going to get the enclosures made in the UK by Hammond. So the price is, I think the price is fine in terms of what the cost to make and what you get for your money. But it really comes down to deciding if you want to spend that amount on a joystick. There are much cheaper options out there. I, I now have three um, Arcada joysticks. Arcada joysticks are the modern equivalent of what was a, a Zipstick and a Competition Pro. I'm holding one up to camera now. It's um, just a a ball top joystick they're, they're well made um they're they're not too expensive i think about 35 or 40 quid to get one delivered but they're made of plastic they're mass produced um and uh, they, they presumably wouldn't stand up to the same abuse that andrews would um i also have um mayflash 
um, sticks as well. These these great big ones, the F five hundred, which I put Sandmar parts in, and an F three hundred Elite, which came with Sandmar parts. Again, not handmade, not metal, and they're actually a little bit cheaper than Andrew's things. I think they're about a hundred or so ninety, uh, and they are USB. And Andrew's stick is a, is a nine pin Atari connector. Um, and I would have backed this Kickstarter as soon as it launched if I didn't already have um, six, I think, six, no, yeah, six equivalent sticks to it. So I, I'd be really replacing one of those, but I'm still thinking about backing it. So, Chris, what do you think? Um, well, first of all, I'm, I'm really sad to hear about the Unithor, actually, because I thought it looked great. Um, yeah. I, I liked it. Um, I, in fact, waggled Neil's joystick in person when I was over there, as it, the Unithor Neil had in the cave. Um, I remember yeah, getting hands-on with that, and, and it felt fine. Um, but in terms of the Immortal joystick, uh, it looks awesome. Uh, but in all honesty, I probably won't back it. But that's only because I have, and I've shown it before, I have a Battle Station 2, which is a metal <laughs> construction, and it has your, your Atari-style D-pin plus outputs for snares, Mega Drive, um, and there's also an output here which we think you can then plug into a Jammer Cab. I mean, this thing is is built like a tank, hence the name six buttons against each joystick so it's only because i'm one of the privileged you australian made by the way and this is from back in the 90s this thing was used in a in a video shop and it's still going it's been abused by kids for years and i didn't even need to do any restoration to it it just works and this is an original from the 90s sorry okay neil so, so settle down qvc <laughs> <laughs> no, no. but that's the only reason look if i didn't have that because i was a big fan of the zip stick i've been Tempted to pull a trigger in an arcade art for a long time, uh, but even at that price, because I've got that there, uh, again, do I need an arcade art? I'd be more tempted to actually get a USB one so I can use it in emulation because I don't have anything that fills that niche for me. Um, but, yeah, this this that's the only reason. I think it's a fantastic project. The only reason I'm not going to back it is because I've already got that. <laughs> and, yeah, that's immortal as well. Fair enough. Owen, oh, do you have anything to say about this? I don't think this is your just, wheelhouse at all. I think eight bits. Uh, not so much, but I look at that and I think you. you could make that box out of Lego. That That is something that absolutely <laughs> yes. Lego. And it would be indestructible. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've Can got you, lots of mates. Is, is, it, is it frowned on to use super glue with Lego to make it permanent? Oh. <gasps> There's, there's sort of differing thoughts there. There's guys that do it. And one of the guys that was on the show, he's big into sort of retro hobbies as well. Um, and he, he glues stuff all the time. He'll pull apart record machines and stick plates all over them and build onto those. And then there's people that absolutely despise anyone that even mentions the thought. Um, I'm kind of in the middle ground. I'm not, I'm not fast. I like kind of pushing things and see what we can do with them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an advocate for having a crack, drill some holes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned that Andrew brought the stick over to see it, and it is, as you described, completely solid. He was very open about the construction of it, about the parts. You mentioned there that it was a guitar stomp box, which, of course, it was designed to be stomped on. I mean, I think you could even drive a car over it, and it would be absolutely fine. Felt good. Um, I think he even offered a service at that point where he would customize exactly where you wanted the buttons. So you could say, you know, think about where you would rest your wrist and how you would use the joystick. I doubt he's going to be offering that in the Kickstarter because that would just be insane. Kickstarter seems to have gone off with a bang. It's doing really well. And I think that's testament to just what a nice guy he is, what belief and trust people have in him. The work he's done over the last year to visit user groups, to show it off, to let people use it firsthand and get confidence in the product. I think that's really important. So he's got nothing to hide. 
Uh, when I looked at first, it had early bird pricing of £110. That sold out. Then it was uh, the next tier up was £120. That sold out. So now the standard pricing is £140. Now let's just consider that. If it's going to be the last joystick you ever buy, fine. Okay, that's a nice yeah. investment. It's definitely not cheap. It's definitely not um, an impulse buy at that price. But we do talk about it in the same breath as having just talked about spending £230 on a Lego Pac-Man arcade that doesn't run Pac-Man. So let's keep some some perspective. Bite your tongue, Owen. Um, (laughs) And of course, anyone who's into flight sims is probably laughing at that price. That's a cheap joystick for a flight sim, right? That's Um, true. Yeah. Hmm. Obviously, you know, it's it's only two buttons and an auto fire. But, you you know, you are buying a quality stick here. My only complaint... um, is that when you look down the tiers, there is a tier where you can back 10 sticks. Perhaps if you wanted to stock your shop up with them or something like that, you get five T-shirts thrown in. But that's £1,400, so you're not really getting a bulk discount. It's still £140 per stick at that price and a few T-shirts thrown in. So I'm really splitting hairs there. I'm just finding something critical to, for the sake of being critical and getting some balance. Um uh, and it's completely nullified by the fact that I don't have £14 to spend on joysticks, so I wasn't going to do it anyway. Uh, Dave? <laughs> yeah, um, I should say it, it is a, a two-button stick, and button two can be changed to either be Fire 2, which is supported in some things on the the, the, the CPC and the Amiga and the C64. I, I don't think it's widely supported. Or you can change it to be up. So if you find it, difficult to go back to the old style of up to jump you have that button there um as of monday the 12th of june when we're recording the kickstarter has 25 days left and is just over ten thousand pounds with fifteen thousand pounds to go so it's done 40 percent in less than a week um so it's doing really well but there's a lot more backers needed to make it but unlike unithor i i, I do feel andrew knows what he's doing and he's got a project that people are happy with already um and he's, he's taking it up to the next level rather than starting from nothing and trying to find a supplier after you've got backed and all the rest of it. And here's what we reckon, and then let's go and see if we can do it after we've got the money, which is what Unithor, Unithor seemed to do. Um, so I, I, I'm much more confident with that. But the only hurdle is the price, and it, everybody knows what the price is up front, so I don't think you can back it and then say, well, I didn't know what price it was. So there's not that complaint's not there. Uh, but I, I really hope it, it does succeed, and, and good luck to him. I'm not yet decided if i'll do it and what i mean by that is i've just not hit the button yet and i almost certainly will because i i fear of missing out the old fomo will kick in as the kickstarter moves on time now for our community question of the week and the question last week was to celebrate the big big show number 128 for no other reason than it sort of reminds us of a amount of ram that some of our eight bits had we decided to turn the tables and ask you to ask us anything you wanted to ask us so um, it's an AMA very quickly because it's a pretty long show today. So let's bash through it. I will start. And the first answer came from the lovely Richard Shears, who says, question for Duncan, please, can you appear on the show for episode 128? Oh, hang on. Yeah, it is episode 128 today. So <laughs> it's too late now. We've just got to the end of that show. Um, we'd love to see you as a guest. I mean, we've asked Duncan several times if he'd be a guest on the show. Um, I, I just think it's not something he, he, he's much more comfortable being the producer, isn't he? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Unless he puts himself is. in the corner yeah. in the edit, just waving. Give us a yeah, toasting. Duncan, Duncan, you're going to have to do that. Just even a second of yourself waving to Richard. Um, Duncan, the, the door is the door is always open for you to come and show. We'd love you to come on, but we're not going to pressure you. We're not going to nag you. We're not going to make you feel uncomfortable about not coming on. It's it's always up to you. 
Yeah. Dave, do you want to take the next answer? Yeah. So Retro Mash Reddit says, obligatory time machine question. If you had a time machine, what retro-related event would you go back to visit? Maybe a moment from your own childhood, a hardware launch event, or go behind the scenes of a developer creating your favourite games, etc. Now, I'll answer that first, and I would go and see Richard Garriott making Ultima 5, I think. I think that's when the series was really... It was when the series was in its strides, it was really doing really well, and it was before the team got bigger, and it, it, it became more than his idea. So I think Ultima 5 is, is what I'd like to go and see being made. I'll pick a personal memory. Um, it was around about 1992, 93, went to an Amiga show in London. Um, it was the first show that I'd been to that was dedicated to the machine that I love, and it was just a, a whole expo hall full of every every stool was something new and exciting um so i really loved that experience there was a beta version of a game called cannon fodder being demonstrated on a massive screen so i got to see that pre-release and people playing on that um came back with arms full of cheap games it was just the best day out ever so i'd go back there yeah chris uh, similar answer to yourself, Neil. It's November 25th, 1989, which is when I went to the Computer Shopper Show in London, and that's where I picked up my Amiga 500 Batman pack. Whole family went up to get it. Some of you have read the story because I was nerdy enough to write about it. But, uh, of course, if I travel back in a time machine, I'd be an adult, so it'd be interesting to just watch the family going from stool to stool trying to you know, get the best bargain. But what if, what if I was the stool holder? What if I sold myself the Amiga? Maybe that's what actually happened. Maybe I... <laughs> That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> Spray paint of gold. <laughs> <laughs> How about Owen? Do you have a, a an experience you'd like to go back to, or um, a, a moment in history that you'd like the invention of the Lego brick, perhaps? <laughs> no, I'd actually a big game for me growing up was Conker's Bad Fur Day. It was the game we weren't allowed to play, but our mate had it, and I'd love uh-huh. to be in the developers' room when they brainstormed. The missions and the layout for that game because it is just nuts it just i just want to be in the room see what went on because there's something going on in there nice. the uh the, the do you, chris do you want to take the third answer for our question of the week oh yeah from fabulous tough 4973 when did you go bald and therefore which computer console generation caused it oh, oh wow um xp windows xp era so what's that that's Xbox One, or was it the Xbox 360 slash PS3? But around the XP era, yeah, that's what it was. That's what did it for me. Windows XP, we'll blame Windows XP. I think I was in my late 20s when I went bald. So what's that? Probably PlayStation 2 era, maybe? Something Mm. like that. Maybe coming into Xbox 360 or, yeah, no, probably PlayStation 2. Yeah. My my hair's got progressively thinner it's rather than a receding hairline and a ball patch that spreads my hair's get thinner it's still there but if you take a photograph it disappears and i i think it got to the point where i could no longer convince anyone uh, around the playstation 4 era it's still there it's just not there if you take a photo is that what you're telling us dave yeah so any, any kind of flash <laughs> photography and it just disappears and i look like crushing the cloud i can relate to that I, I i swore i had a full head of hair until somebody at work took a photo and I asked the question, how did my dad get in this photo? Because I could just see this yeah. massive bald patch in the back of my head. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not me. That's my. How's my dad there? He's in a different yeah. country. <laughs> there, there is, there's, there's a tiny, fine coating of hair there, 
It's yeah, um, right. it's there if you touch it, but you can't see it. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, I mean, what's uh, we we can't ask you the same question, but what what's causing you to tear your hair out? Then what's going to cause it for you? Oh, that's a good one. It's probably trying to get Star Citizen to run on my twenty eleven computer. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, thank you to everyone who submitted questions there's loads more in there and i think it would do us well to to take the time to just go through that thread and between the three of us we can fire some answers out there in in text on you uh, uh, so do head over to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro and um, we'll update them and we will post this week's question of the week which comes back to our special edition systems or otherwise so um can you think of any special edition one-off versions of popular products is there a gold-plated milestone um, that you've seen to celebrate something just share pictures with us share stories maybe you own one maybe you own a special edition um, go over to our subreddit and also at the subreddit you can submit any stories that you might like us to discuss each week as we've done this week i'd like to say a huge thank you to owen for joining us today thank you so much owen huge thanks for having us guys it's always thank a pleasure you. to talk shop where can people find you do you do anything that you want people to look at uh i'm on instagram owen's like Marvel's. a youtube channel or something uh, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel. It's not very active. My Instagram's pretty active. Owen's Marvelous Creations. I do a bit of everything. Um, drone flying, Warhammer painting, Magic the Gathering, you name it. Well, um, you've certainly made Chris's week, and I don't think we'll hear the end of it for a long time. So thank you so much for putting a smile on Chris's face and uh, no doubt many of the listeners. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care, and we'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. He's waving. Bye. I'm waving. I'm waving, Chris is waving, Neil's waving, all is now finally waving. There we go, he's waving. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC The Cave, Chris from 005 Agema, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Stiles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.